Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This podcast is brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey. Native Grape Odyssey is an educational project financed by the European Union to promote European wine in Canada, Japan, and Russia. Enjoy. It's from Europe. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Ward, and my guest today is Nicholas Bergqvist. Nicholas is from Sweden. Yes. He's going to tell us all about the Swedish market and his wine club. Welcome. Thank you, Monty. So how did you get into wine? I got into wine as I um, I started out um, going to chef school. So it's very interested in food uh, at that particular moment. And then uh, I started working with uh, as a chef and also was very interested in skiing and did some seasons in the French Alps. And it's very hard to work and ski at the same time. So it's probably I, hard to cook and ski at the same I, time as well. It's probably very hard. <laughs> so I spent quite a lot of time um, skiing instead of working and felt that I really needed to do something that was in accordance to what I worked with. Uh, so I spent a lot of the evenings uh, reading about wine and, and so on and got really interested by it. And then I decided that I wanted to get a sommelier education to just get a better understanding of how to pair wine and food. And then I went down to the Alps again, did some really bad skiing, broke my leg terribly badly and couldn't walk for two years. Uh, and after that, I decided that I had a lot of time when I couldn't work couldn't walk. So I did a WSET diploma and by now I've studied so much wine that there's really no point in going back working in the kitchen. So in terms of the market there and but you, and your club, what? how does that actually work, a wine club? We are a, wine, it's a monopoly system in Sweden. Yes, right? Exactly. So we are a wine collectors club. We don't sell any wine at all. It's uh, like a big seller uh, that was originally started out in 1986. And the whole idea about it was to give people that live in apartments in central Stockholm the possibility of storing wine under perfect conditions. So uh, what my boss did was that he bought a big seller and uh, got uh, like a cooling and uh, humid controlling system so that we get roughly the same temperature and humidity that you have in a natural wine cellar. And by now, uh, we have like 900 different compartments, different sizes from 60 to 400 bottles that each member has one, or in some cases, many different uh, compartments for someone might need one for Barolo and one for Barbaresco and one for Brunello and, and so on. Is there, um, is there any wine educational aspect to what that is? Obviously, a storage thing is pretty kind of sedate. It's bottles lying horizontally and exactly. not, not really and, moving and around. That was also one of the main ideas was to get people to interact both with wine and with one another uh, while drinking wine. So apart from just storing bottles, we have like a club room where the members can come and drink their own wines. We don't sell any wine at all. It would be illegal to, in Sweden to have both a, like a wine bar and uh, serving people's own wines at the same time. So it's only the, the members' wine that we, we help them open them and check so that everything is in order. And, and if they have questions about them, then we're supposed to be able to give them a bit of information. So where do they actually have these t- Tasting evenings, or is it in that same building the wine is stored in? It's exactly. So you're, that's, you're legally allowed to do that, then, are you? Yes. So you must have a license for on. We, we don't. We don't need to have a license. We don't sell. It's we don't. Owned. Yeah, exactly. We, right. we don't sell the wine. So that's quite clever, then, isn't it? It's a bit nice. <laughs> Have people copied your 
idea. We have uh, in in Sweden at the moment. I think we are, are two or three companies that work kind of in the same way. In other parts of the world, of course, there would be a lot of very different possibilities of making it with the same kind of setup, but also actually selling the wine. And we would, of course, be thrilled to do that too. But um, it looks like it might be here a long time up ahead in the future before because we of the monopoly get system. It. Yes, exactly. So when you're not in your home country and you're visiting wine regions, where is your where are your favorite regions? I, I would say that uh, apart from working in this uh, club, I am also wine educator, you know, working in a school for some years. And my main responsibility there is Italy. So that's definitely where I have spent most of my trips in the last few years. But I also is interest in Italian wine growing in Sweden? I think Italian wine is it's a very big part of, of the Swedish market. So it's actually the biggest country that we the ma- major part of, of the imports. But on the other hand, a lot of that consumption is very, very cheap bag and box wines from the southern parts of Italy. But I would say that at the moment, in the higher end of the market, Italy is very, very interesting too. And I think that especially Barolo and Barbaresco associated Nebbiolo styles of wine, they are definitely um, something that's becoming of a big interest to people that are perhaps not even the most wine interested persons. It's going, it's beginning to get big on a much broader basis. I mean, does that, obviously those wines are some of the most expensive in Italy. Does that reflect the Swedish economy has been quite strong for quite a long time? Yeah, I, and I think we see that too, that there is a much bigger interest in uh, higher end kinds of wines. And for a long time, it was really, really hard to sell wines in Sweden that were like above 10 euros, something like that. It was a very small part of the market. But now I think for a lot of people, it's a, a good thing to buy wines that are 10, 15 euro. That's it's more of an everyday style of wine and people uh, tend to buy more expensive and more specific styles of wine in the high end of the... What do you think the next trend in Italian wine in Sweden will be? Would it be uh, like, um, less expensive wines, Lambrusco, or will it be Alianico or something like that? Or I think it's very dependent on which end of the market you are in. I think it's... Uh, many of the restaurants are very, very into uh, natural wines. The Monopoly is definitely going there too. So it's from a couple of years ago, you definitely didn't find anything that was a natural style of wine in the Monopoly. Nowadays, they have quite a lot of it. But I think that's a part of the market is very interested in that. Uh, other parts of the market are very interested in other styles of wine. And I would say that I think there is a quite a big interest for the classic wines like um, Brunello, for example, is something that's definitely you see a lot of again, and especially the more traditionally focused ones. And I think a lot of people now are interested in classical styles of wine, and especially from wineries that have a quite a long history and a track record of making great wines and people are interested in in finding older vintages of, of those wines. Okay, so I want to say thanks to my guest today, Nicholas Bergqvist from Sweden, letting us, giving us a, an insight into what lies beneath the city of Stockholm, all those bottles sleeping and possibly not always sleeping once they're open. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. This podcast has been brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey, discovering the true essence of high-quality wine from Europe. Find out more on nativegrapeodyssey.eu. Enjoy. It's from Europe. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 